A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When the time came for Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So not only do we have a mystery pastor, Neil D. Neal, we have a mystery tuba player, right? That was a tuba, small tuba, yeah. We have Albert Hay Malott listed next to that piece, but he's the one who wrote the music, yeah. Christopher Swinger, that's great. Are you still here, Christopher? There you are, thank you, Christopher. That was totally cool. I want to mention as well that uh, we have Heidi Hutchison here with us who was on the screens a little bit earlier. If you'd like to visit more with Heidi uh, about her sharing with you, she's going to be out at the New Pergola. Why don't you station yourself by the New Pergola this morning, okay? And people can ask you all the hard questions. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, some of you know that um, 
Helen and I raised our children mostly in Tucson before we moved here, and one of the things that they were very involved with was 4-H. How many 4-H folks do we have here? Any 4-H folks? Okay. You guys are going to understand this story perhaps a little bit better. Well, Helen was the primary 4-H leader, and because we lived in the city more or less, we didn't get to have cows or big animals very much, although one of our sons did get to raise a pig once. That was a whole other story. Mostly... Mostly the kids raised chickens and rabbits and guinea pigs, or what they're sometimes called cavies. So um, one particular time the, the kids and Helen were going off, maybe it was to a 4-H event, I don't remember anymore, but they were going to be gone for several days, and we had several pregnant guinea pigs in the house. And so Helen was a little bit, yeah, you're already shaking your head, Juan, I can see, yeah. Helen was a little bit nervous about leaving me with all of these guinea pigs that were uh, with child. And um, so every day she called and asked, have the babies been born yet? And every day I would go into where the guinea pigs were and I'd look in the cage and I'd see the different sizes and colors and shapes of guinea pigs and I'd say, well, no, there's no guinea pigs that have been born yet. And after about the fifth day, Helen started to worry because the guinea pigs were due. And finally she came home and she went straight to the cages. She didn't say hi to me. She didn't kiss me. She didn't give me the time of day. She just, that's how I remember it anyway, honey. So... <laughs> She went straight to those cages and she kind of screamed and she said, Jack, there's babies everywhere. Why didn't you see them? Okay, so here's the deal. We mostly raised rabbits and when baby rabbits are born, they have no hair on them. They're just little pink walnut-sized things. They look rather hideous, actually. But I learned that when guinea pigs are born, they are born looking rather adult, and they already have all their hair. They already have all their fur. And so I'd been seeing all these guinea pigs the whole time, but they already had their fur. They didn't look like babies to me. I've always had hair issues, Juan, even with other creatures. <laughs> It's just the way it is. Ah, well. What I want to talk about today is how it is that you and I learn to see. How is it that you and I can understand what we're looking at, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, especially when it comes to knowing about God. Last week, we started a new series of sermons that will take us up to Lent. We're looking at the image of light, the metaphor of light as it is used in Scripture. Light is a really big word in the Scriptures because it tells us so much about God and about truth and about reality. And so our question today is, how do you and I see the light of God? We'll look at a story that Luke tells us from the childhood of Jesus. Luke tells us not only about Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist, not only about uh, Mary and Gabriel and Joseph and shepherds and all that other stuff of the birth of Jesus. Luke also tells us a story 
about something that would have happened and did happen in Jesus' very early days. You see, Joseph and Mary were faithful, observant Jews. And because of that, they observed two of the rituals, two of the practices of the Jewish people that were commanded in the Old Testament. First of all, the purification of Mary. Luke tells us that Mary went to the temple to be purified, which was following the ancient custom that after the birth of a male child, a woman would go and offer sacrifice. In this case, the sacrifice of two birds, which meant that Joseph and Mary were of very humble financial means. They also went for the purpose of dedicating Jesus. You see, the firstborn son of every good Hebrew family must be dedicated to God. And so we see that Joseph and Mary began to raise their son according to the traditions, the habits, the practices, the truths of their faith. Let's look as well and perhaps more closely at Simeon and Anna. Let's study them for a moment. Very often, Simeon and Anna don't get much attention in the life of the church because we move from Christmas straight to the baptism of the Lord, and, and we forget about Simeon and Anna, but we are told that Simeon is righteous and devout and looking for the consolation of Israel. He was an old man, but he was known to be a man whose heart was after God. What did the scriptures mean when they said he was righteous and devout? Well, we're not told specifically, but, but we really do know. You see, Simeon would come to the temple to worship and to pray. As a righteous and devout man, Simeon would have been reading the scriptures, discussing the scriptures with others, learning from the rabbis and the priests. Simeon would have opened himself to live in the righteous, ethical, and moral ways that were taught by Old Testament faith. Simeon was a man who had his heart and his mind and his soul open to God. And he did things that kept him that way. He didn't just say, yes, I know God, and leave it at that. He didn't just say, yes, I believe in Yahweh of the Old Testament, and leave it in that. He lived a life of faithful practices of those disciplines, those habits, those activities that regularly put him in a place where he could learn and see and know more. Now, Luke also tells us that the Holy Spirit rested on Simeon. The Holy Spirit guided Simeon to the temple that day. The Holy Spirit helped Simeon to see who Jesus was. And that's really where our question is. How did Simeon and how did Anna know that this one particular baby, out of all the babies that were being taken to the temple that day, how did they know that that particular one was the one called Emmanuel, the one of whom the angels had sung, the one whom the shepherds had come to see, and then later the Magi. Well, Simeon saw partly because he was already a righteous and devout man, but he saw as well because the Holy Spirit was with him. 
Now again, we're not told exactly how that played itself out. How was the Holy Spirit present with Simeon? But from other places in the scripture and other places in our own lives and the history of the church, we see that there are many ways that the Spirit makes himself known to us. Sometimes the Spirit is a still, small voice that speaks ever so quietly and gently and yet persistently and clearly. Sometimes the Spirit appears as a prompting in our minds that we think maybe is just coincidence or happenstance, but we know it's the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit creates in us a curiosity about God so that we search out the truth and the life of God. Sometimes the Spirit speaks as an inner conviction that simply wells up within us that we cannot deny or ignore or ultimately refuse. In all of those ways, though, we must admit that the Spirit is a gift from God. God comes to us because God chooses, not because we choose, but because God chooses. And God is gracious and kind to be with us. We meet Anna as well, and Anna is essentially the same as Simeon. Anna is called a prophet. She is one, we are told, who never left the temple. She worshiped and fasted and prayed. As a prophet, Anna would be one who felt and experienced the presence of the Spirit of God. But she didn't just wait for God to show up. She came to be with God. She came to study and to open her eyes and to open her heart and life to God. That's who Anna was. That's who Simeon was. That's who Joseph and Mary were. People who realized that the Spirit of God always is speaking to us. That God in His grace and in His love for us reaches out to us and calls out to us and says, here I am, will you pay attention to me? Because of that revelation, but also because of Simeon's study and work, because of that revelation, but also because of Anna's faithfulness and devout practice, they were able to see that Jesus was a light for revelation and for glory. We'll talk a lot more about how Jesus is the light of God come into the world to show us and teach us the truth and to reveal the darkness that is there in us and in our world. But for now, let's just dwell with Simeon and Anna and even Joseph and Mary and ask the question, how do you and I see the light? How do we know when God is present and speaking and leading? We need to remember that the presence of God in our lives is all about having a relationship. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you answer their phone calls and emails. You have to learn to listen for the right ringtone. (laughs) How do we do that? How do we pay attention to God? How do we have a relationship with God just like with anyone else? 
You answer the phone call. You read the stories. You chat with other people who know about God. You pay attention to the movement of the Holy Spirit. There is an interesting relationship that goes on between what God does and what you and I do in order to make the relationship happen so that we see the light. We must always say first that God comes to us in the power of his spirit to reveal himself to us. But that doesn't mean that you have to listen to strange voices in the sky or that you have to have out-of-body experiences. God speaks to us in the power of his spirit through his scripture, through the community of faith, through the history and teaching and practice of the people of the past, through the things that sometimes pop into your mind, through the hunches and ideas and thoughts that grow in your mind and heart, through the convictions that grip you and won't let you go. The spirit never contradicts himself and tells you to do something or believe something that is contrary to the gospel that we already know. The Spirit always leads us to that place where we love and grow and help, where we seek and know the truth, where we look for God's redemption in the world. That's the Spirit at work. And all we need to do is ask God to reveal Himself in His Spirit to us. And we know that God will because God wants to, because God loves us. But it's not just the Holy Spirit that's involved. It's you and me. We have to work at it. We have to answer the call. We have to open ourselves, our minds, our hearts, our souls to listen and to learn and to understand what God is doing in the world. How do we do that? Very simply, you're already doing it. At least in part. As you come to worship and as you listen to my words, you're not listening to me. You are listening to what God might have to say to you today. You give time and energy to a relationship. You worship, you pray, you read, you study, you think, you serve, you give. In all of those ways, you spend time with God and you spend time with others whom God loves, serving them, teaching them. And then you trust and try out God's way instead of your own. If you want to see the light of God that is in Jesus Christ that will reveal who you are and what you are to be about, then remember that God already is revealing himself to you by the power of his spirit, and you just need to show up and open your eyes and heart and mind and soul to see the light. God is faithful to us. The question is, are we faithful to him? Amen.